Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to continue our study. Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says in verse 14 or verse 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Boy, is that a good verse for our nation right now? Look at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. You understand that these platforms, that the, we, we talked about this the other night, these political platforms, they're just described right there. That's what the flesh does. Then look at what it says. As I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And now here we are with where we're going to be this morning, verses 24 through 26. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. They that are Christ's. They that are Christ's. The first thing that we see in this text is it's an exclusive message. It's an exclusive message. How many of you, as you've watched the political conventions, like some people call it silly season, and you watch the things that people say and the things... How many of you saw the vote? How many of you saw the vote on the Democratic floor? How many of you did not see the vote that took place? Oh, man. Wow. Let me say this. You all need to become politically aware of what's going on in the world. Let me scold you for a minute. Wake up. Turn off the football game. Turn off the ball games. Find out what's going on in the country. I didn't come here to get scolded. Okay, I'll stop. Here's what happened. The Democrat platform... I can't call it the Democratic platform because it's not Democratic. It's the Democrat platform. What they did was they took out any mention of God from their platform. Took it out. And the, the statement that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, they took that out. Well, when they were called on it, then they brought up for a vote on the floor of the Democrat convention. And when you bring a, a, a movement or a resolution to the floor, it has to have a two-thirds approval or there has to be discussion. That's the rules. And so the, the moderator said, all in favor of changing, bringing God in. And, of course, that great United Methodist pastor, Ted Strickland. Or what's his name? Ted Strickland? Ted Strickland. Anybody know who Ted Strickland is? He said, as a United Methodist minister, of course, he was on the, the committee that took it out. He was on the platform committee. So he moved that, he made a motion that God be put back in once and that Israel or that Jerusalem be the, the capital of Israel. And they took a vote. All in favor, aye. People said, aye. All in favor, no. And the no's were louder than the ayes. And he said, let me do this again. Same thing. 
Let me do this again. Same thing. And if, if the no's weren't louder, they were at least as loud. Right? And he said, in my judgment, the I's or the yeas have won. And everybody booed. Because more than half of the delegates to the Democrat convention didn't want God in the platform and didn't want Israel or Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. This is not a Republican commentary on the convention. I'm telling you, as your pastor, what happened, that's where we are. That's, that's where our nation is. All right? Well, then in the Republican Party... We could go on and on and on about the problems in the Republican Party. And, and those of you who are members of Grace Baptist Church, we talked about it for eight years under the Bush administration. It's not a partisan thing. But here's the problem. As we look out in the world and we look at these decisions being made and we say, how can these people just lie like this? Just lie. Blatant lies. How can they do it? Because they're lost. What is the manifestation? What are the works of the flesh? We see them listed here. What is it? It's all this stuff. It's, it's the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's the Barney Frank party. Would you all agree with that? Is that right? Barney Frank. He came to the convention wearing a dog collar. Okay, that's, that's that. It's described, right? Envyings, what's that? We've got to tax the 1%. Envyings. Uh, murders, that's abortion. Is that right? Drunkenness, revelings. Republican and Democrat. This is all worldliness. None of that's going to be in heaven. None of those are things that ought to be identified with those who have called Jesus Christ their Savior. Is that right? And so we look at the world and we say, why is everything so bad? Because we stopped preaching the gospel boldly. How many of you know who David Barton is, the Christian historian, David Barton? I appreciate a lot of the work that he's done. But he's come out boldly defending Mormonism as Christianity. Now, remember, Mormons do not believe in the Trinity. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Right? I'm going to do a message on Mormonism so you all understand what Mormonism is. But it is not Christianity. Amen? And so we have Christian leaders like David Barton because they're associated with people like Glenn Beck or supporting Mitt Romney, that now Mormonism is considered Christianity. It is not. The reason that people do not behave as believers is because they are not believers. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead the third day. And that repentance and faith is to be preached. Repentance and faith. Repentance of what? What is repentance? It's an understanding of what sin is and that I as an individual deserve hell. And there's nothing I can do to merit heaven. That's repentance. 
It's repentance. It's understanding that I cannot be king or lord of my life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the Lord. I'm not. Jesus Christ is. I'm a sinner. Jesus, you're God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead, proving that you are and were God. And when I receive you as Savior, I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. You you come in. You change me. I'm born again. I become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. That's what happens. That's what Christianity is. Do you know what happens then? Now you are Christ's. Do you see the text? Look at what it says in verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, so it's an exclusive message. They that are Christ's, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. How do you live in the Spirit? If you have the Spirit of Christ in you, then you're made alive. You're born again. Jesus Christ is in you and changes you. So this is an exclusive message. Every person in the world cannot behave like a believer because these are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things are produced in the believer, not by the believer, but by the Holy Spirit in him. And if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The book of Romans says that very clearly. So we understand that the believer has the Holy Spirit of God in them. They're made alive and now they can, they can, they can, they have the ability to demonstrate love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness. So if we want a righteous nation, if we want a holy nation, what should we do? Lead people to Jesus Christ. Lead them to Christ. Have Christ produce that. This is, this is an exclusive message. And again, you've heard me say this before. One of the biggest problems we have in our country and in our churches is we're trying to get believers, to, we're trying to get unbelievers to behave like believers. If we believe what the Bible says, that'll never happen. Maybe for a day, maybe for two days, but that eternal change is only made by the Holy Spirit of God in the person. It's an exclusive message. Why is the world a mess? Because they're not Christ's. They're not Christ. Who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Jesus Christ is coming back to fix it all. And we're looking for that day. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But there's a lot of people that are going to go to hell if that happens. Let's lead as many people to Christ as we can. Amen? It's an exclusive message. And it's an encouraging message. Look at what the Bible says. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's an encouraging message. Now, look at Galatians. I want you to see a, I want you to see a, a kind of a contrast. Look at Galatians chapter 2. In verse 20. Famous verse. Let's read this out loud, this first part. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Well, wait a minute. If I already am crucified with Christ, let's go back to chapter 5. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The Bible tells us in Colossians that we are to crucify our flesh. 
Here's the encouraging message. My flesh, my flesh, when I get saved, has been crucified with Christ. This is exciting. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not a political message. It's not a political message. It's a, it's a, a demonstrating of the flesh, of the world. It's an explanation of the reality that you and I are existing in today. How are we going to live in it as believers? Well, we have to understand that this is an exclusive message. It's to believers. It's to save people. But it's an encouraging message because it can be done. Look at what, look at what the Bible says. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, Rasputin was a Russian monk. And um, it's said that he was demon-possessed. He was a very wicked, wicked man. And this was his life's verse. And so he said, I want to sin as much as I can so there can be more grace. I can't remember. He was, they, they tried to kill him three or four times. I think finally he drowned. Just a wicked, wicked man. How many of you think that was a misunderstanding of this verse? Right? Look what the Bible says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Okay, so what is that saying? Look, if you get baptized, then you can be saved. If you'll get baptized, then you can have eternal life. If you'll get baptized, then you won't sin anymore. Some of you are looking at me like, some of you are half asleep and you didn't hear a word I said. Is that what that text is saying? What is that text saying? Keep your place in Romans 6. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. What is this saying? That when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God baptizes them into Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means you are placed, you are immersed into Jesus Christ's body. That's what happens at salvation. Is that right? So this Romans chapter 6, when we get baptized, 
in the baptistry. We go into the water after we get saved. We're buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. That's a picture of what happened in Romans chapter 6. When I get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes me into Jesus Christ's body. I make a testimony of that by getting baptized in water, and that places me into Christ's visible body, the local church. If you never get baptized in water, you can still be born again, be in Christ's body, be in heaven with Him forever. Don't get confused by that. But what the Bible says here is because we are identifying with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection, that's what salvation is, then what happens is the benefit of Christ's crucifixion now applies to me. Jesus Christ in the flesh was crucified. Why? Because crucifying my flesh, all it would have done was kill my flesh. It would not save my soul. Jesus Christ's perfect, sinless, holy flesh being sacrificed for me allows my flesh to be made righteous. When He comes and He changes my body at His resurrection, it'll be a righteous and holy body like His body. Is that what the Bible says? Philippians chapter 3, it's very clear. He's going to change our vile body into His glorious body. That's going to happen. But what Romans 6 is saying is I am now free from being required to sin. Now, how many of you are saved? Okay, how many of you saved people sin? Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to. I am not a slave to my flesh. I am, I'm free. It's an encouraging message. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's an encouraging message because my flesh has already been crucified. So why are we told to mortify the flesh? It's the difference between my standing and my state. It's a difference between my position in Christ and my practical existence here on this earth. Do you know that when God looks at me, He sees a perfect, sinless Son of God? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Why? Because He sees a righteousness that's not my righteousness. He sees the righteousness that I've been clothed in, the righteousness of His precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? But the simple fact is, I am still a sinner physically and will be until I die. It's like this. I have been saved. You've all heard this. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Amen? I am being saved from the power of sin. And I will be saved from the presence of sin. So what is that saying? There's therefore, there is now therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? First Corinthians twelve thirteen. You're baptized, for we have all been baptized by the Spirit into one body. That's salvation. 
I am placed in Christ by believing in Him. Ephesians chapter 1, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. So I trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. I trust in His promises. I'm placed in Christ, and now I'm made a new creature, right? So I'm in Him, so I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I will never, I will never stand before God and give an account for sin. Jesus Christ paid for my sin. That is freedom. That's the liberty that Galatians 5 is talking about. I'm free from the penalty of sin. And what Galatians 5, 24 through 26 is talking about is being saved from the power of sin. How many of you have people that make you mad? How many of you have people in your family that make you mad? How many of you understand nobody can make you mad like people in your family? Right? You guys, knuckleheads. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. My sisters, nobody can push my buttons like my sisters. It's just true. I love them to death. Nobody can make me mad like my sisters can. Well, Pastor Nathan, maybe. But other than that. Now, look. I don't have to be angry with them. I don't have to behave in the flesh. Laura and I. I could have married a kind submissive, (laughs) meek, but I married Laura. She's smart. She's tough. She's opinionated. She's capable, right? That's what I wanted. I just didn't realize what happens when you marry a smart, tough, opinionated woman. You know, what did she marry? Kind, sensitive, understanding. No, she married a jerk. So how are we going to live together? Different houses. It's awesome. How are we going to live together? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to have to do something in us. The Holy Spirit's going to have to do that. So when she does something that makes me angry... I can behave in the flesh or I can behave in the spirit. I can demonstrate variance, emulations, seditions. I can demonstrate that or I can demonstrate love, joy, peace, temperance, goodness, meekness. What's the difference? The flesh or the spirit. That's the difference. The crucified life. Here's what the crucified life does. The crucified life takes what I want and puts it below what the Lord wants for our family and what she wants as the person that I love. Is that right? But not only that, you want to know something that I learned this week? How many of you have seen the word charity in the Bible? Have you seen the word charity? Do you know the only time the Bible uses the word charity is between believers in the body of Christ? Check it out. It's a very interesting thing. Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't help people that aren't saved? No. No, not at all. But where charity ought to be exhibited is between brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that right? So now, when I genuinely love the Lord and I love His Word, that's going to be demonstrated among people in the body of Christ. All believers. Is that right? And then we're going to... Is that right? 
Do this for me. That help me. If that's demonstrated among all the believers, then especially those that are of the household of faith, the church of God, the local New Testament church. That Nick Arling makes me so mad. Yvonne said, Amen. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Does she ever make you mad? Yeah. 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 So here's the deal. In their home, just like in the altar home, the only way it's going to be right is by dying to the flesh and yielding to the Spirit. Would you all agree with that? But what about in the church? What if Jim Alter has a hard time getting along with Nick Arling at Grace Baptist Church? What's the problem? Flesh. You see, contention only comes from pride. That's what the Bible says. So now if I'm going to be patient, long-suffering, kind, meek, gentle, it's hard to be fighting somebody and being kind and gentle at the same time. Here, Nick, let me hit you gently. (laughs) You cannot fight effectively and gently at the same time. Is that right? Look, I I like, I I think it was Ravi Zacharias that I heard say this. A gentleman will never hurt someone unintentionally. Doesn't mean a gentleman will never hurt somebody. That means you'll do it intentionally. So that means I need to know why there's contention between Nick and I. Is it something that's scriptural? If there's a scriptural controversy, then we need to go to the Lord and His Word and get it resolved scripturally. If it's anything other than that, it's simply pride. It's somebody wanting their own way more than someone else. What does Scripture say? Scripture says that it is possible. It's possible. It's possible for a church to be a holy and peaceful and loving and an encouraging place when the members of the church are living, they're living what they claim to believe. You see, it's an encouraging message. My flesh has been crucified with Christ so that I can now crucify my flesh. But here's the problem. Okay, it's an encouraging, it's it's an inclusive message, it's an encouraging message, but it's an effectual message. What does a crucified life look like? Look at Beckett, Galatians. What does this look like? You know, honestly, I thought this was going to be a short sermon. It's almost over. Look at Galatians, verse chapter 5, verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So what does a crucified life look like? My affections, the things that I love, are different. And lusts. What do I lust after? I've crucified my affections. And I've crucified my lusts. So what does a crucified life look like? What does that, what does that act out? How does it look? Look at verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So here, it becomes very practical. What does this look like? Man, 
It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. So it's dying to self. It's saying, I'm not what matters here. It's the work of Christ that matters here. Amen? So important for us to see that. So vainglory. And then look at what look at the next one. Provoking one another. Here's provoking. Nick, do you agree with me? Listen, you, you better agree with me. Look, hey, I'm sick of you. Look up here. Hey, stop it. I'm only going to poke him so many times before I get a broken finger. Is that right? It's just true. The other day, the guys were taking the carpet out of my office. Big roll. How many of you understand rolls of carpet are heavy? Right? Tony Slade walked in there. And he picked it up. And he acted like he was going to throw it out the window. He takes this thing and this big old piece of carpet. And he's going like this. That's why I'm poking Nick and not Tony. Tony, you love being pointed out, don't you? Everybody look at Tony right now for a minute. He loves this. What am I doing right now? I am provoking a giant. Should not do that. Provoking. Picking. Just picking and picking and picking. Uh, you know, the Bible describes a woman doing that as a continual dripping. Dave, was it you? that You go drip, drip, drip. Somebody, when their wife is doing that, they start going drip, drip. Drip, drip. It can't be you. Lila would never do that. It would never. What? It's provoking. It's provoking. How do you behave to other people? Are you provoking them? Are you looking? It's all about me. Look at my suit. Look at my tie. Look at the way that I'm dressed. Look at me. Look at me. What's it about? And then are you provoking one another? And then look at the last one. Verse 26, envying one another. I never get to sing in church. He never calls on me to pray. How come I've been in this church for so long and I'm not a deacon? Well, you're a woman. <laughs> Look. Husband of one wife. That's only in the Democrat part. Okay? That's ladies. No. Now look. What does this look like? The fact that Christ has saved me. I am crucified with Christ. I do live in the Spirit. That means I can also walk in the Spirit. If I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm not living in for vainglory. I'm not provoking other people. And I'm not envying other people. It's amazing how the Bible uses these terms that are up here and then brings it down here where we're supposed to live. Do you remember Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about living and put on, take off the old man and put on the new man, which is in righteousness and true holiness? What does that look like? Wherefore, put away lying with one another. Put away lying. Speak the truth to your neighbor. What does righteousness and holiness look like? Stop lying. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. That's what righteousness and holiness looks like. It means I don't tear you down. It means I build you up. Corrupt communication is, you are so stupid. Edification is, hey man, you're smarter than that. 
God gave you a good mind. Let's, let's move ahead together. See the difference? Mm-hmm. Is that, that's right. You burn everything. <laughs> she worships me. She gives me burnt offerings. <laughs> Can you imagine? First of all, first of all, y'all need to understand this. She would never cook for me again. You need to understand that if I spoke that way. <laughs> never again. When we first got married, I said to her, she had made me potato salad, and it was good. And I said to her, you know, you ought to call my mom and get her recipe for potato salad. It was years before I had potato salad again. We just didn't have it. It's true. She's grown in the Lord so much since then. Her potato salad's awesome. Here's the deal. The crucified life, it's not some mystery. It's not, you know, you're living some pie in the sky. Hello, my brother. How art thou today? (laughs) It's not that. It's not that, hey, I was praying for you today. Anything I can do for you? That's that's righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's holiness. It's acknowledging others. All of those simple things that we understand in the Christian life. Do you know what the number one characteristic that identifies the mature believer is according to the book of 1 Corinthians? Charity. Love that gives. Love that gives. It's love that demonstrates itself in time, talent, and treasure spent for your brothers and sisters in Christ to bring glory to God and to carry out the Great Commission in the world. That's what righteousness and holiness looks like. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Because we have desires that keep us away from serving God. So how do we overcome that? Well, it's an exclusive message, they that are Christ's. It's an encouraging message. Our flesh has been crucified with Christ. It's an effectual message. It produces a desired and intended result, but it's an excruciating message. You know what the word excruciating comes from? It means intensely painful. And excruciating means it's like the cross. That's what it means. You know, the crucified life is painful. It is really painful. It hurts. You see, what does the cross do? The first thing it demonstrates is this. You can't crucify yourself. See, you can kill yourself. You can slit your own throat. You can drink poison. You can jump off a building. You can gas yourself. There's all kinds of ways that you can kill yourself, but you can't crucify yourself. Got to have somebody else's help. You can't crucify your flesh on your own. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in you. You can't do it. The first thing that the cross does is it demonstrates that you can't do it on your own. The second thing, second thing, crucifixion is a violent, shameful, painful, lingering death. You know why they would break the legs of the people that were crucified? That was mercy. They could no longer push themselves up, so they would suffocate to death because they couldn't push themselves up. Because a person could be crucified for days. I want you to think about something. Jesus Christ didn't die of crucifixion. He gave up the ghost. He was God. Jesus Christ could still be on the cross today unless he had decided to die. They could have beat Jesus Christ for all eternity and never left a mark unless Jesus Christ allowed that to happen. 
Is that right? We're crucified with Christ. Jesus Christ gave Himself. He yielded Himself. The Bible says He yielded up the ghost. He gave Himself for us. It's something that He did for us. The crucified life is something that the Holy Spirit provides for us. Quit trying so hard. Yield to the Holy Spirit of God. God, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to behave? How do you want me to act? Lord, help me. I don't know. What I want to do is wrong. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't follow your heart. Lord, show me through your word what you want me to do in this moment. And the thing about crucifixion, it's painful. It's shameful. Have you ever gone to the Lord this way? Lord, I'm saved. Thank you for saving me. I can't believe I did that. Why did I say that? Why did I behave that way? Why do I think these things? Shameful. It's shameful. The other thing about crucifixion, what, what happened when Christ was crucified? They mocked Him. But when people were crucified, they, they did it right alongside the road so people could laugh at them because the lowest form of, of execution was crucifixion. It was for the lowest of the low. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Do you know the position of the believer in the world has always been one of ridicule? Persecution by religions? Persecution by the political class? Persecution by the cool class? Because the Christian is going to die to self and the worldly lusts and is going to look like a Christian, is going to behave like a Christian, is going to look different than the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. See, the crucified life doesn't look like the rest of the world. It's different. Jesus Christ said, I've given them thy word and the world hath hated them. You see... The crucified life is violent, shameful, painful, lingering death. The flesh must perish, hanging on nails before the pitiless gaze of an unsympathetic world. The crucified life is characterized in every century by public ridicule, painful experiences, religious persecution, betrayal of friends and loved ones. But the cross produces Christ-likeness the believer. You know, it's going to be painful to give up what you want. It's going to be painful to give up what you have always dreamed about. It's going to be painful to give up your schedule. It's going to be painful to give up your fleshly desires. Is that right? But man, is it worth it till you come under the perfect man, like under the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 4. Some of, you, some of you are somewhere in this process. You're, you're struggling with the flesh. Now, here's the deal. We're not like the Wesleyans or the holiness people who believe that you can get to a place of sinless perfection where you have completely eradicated the flesh. The Bible says, If any man say he hath no sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. How many of you can say amen to that? 
You know what the good news is? But here's the good news. We're all sinners. You're never going to be perfect until Jesus Christ comes back. Okay? So when you mess up, don't be surprised. Is that right? But the good news of the grace of God is it doesn't matter where you are in this process, this process of sanctification, being set apart from the world and being set apart unto Jesus Christ, wherever you are in that process, the Holy Spirit is with you. You'll never arrive until Christ returns. What did Paul say? Not, not that I have apprehended. I'm not, I'm not one who's arrived. But forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is a daily dying to self and a moment-by-moment crucifixion of the flesh. Remember, you can't do that yourself. Lord Jesus Christ, put my flesh to death. Help me die to self. Help me die to what I want. Lord, change my affections. Change the things that I want. Give me desires that are in line with you. And help me to know the difference. That's what He wants us to do. They that are Christ's. They that are Christ's. It's an exclusive message. You've got to be saved. It's an encouraging message. It happens through Christ. It's an effectual message. We're not desirous of vain glory. We don't provoke one another. We don't envy one another. But it's an excruciating message. It's going to the cross daily. You know, Jesus Christ wants to change you. He wants to make you holy. He wants to make you new. He wants to do that. He wants to make you like Him every day as you die to self. Die to self. Die to self. Die to self. Amen? Lord Jesus, what a day.